Great. Well, that's how we do it here. Okay. That's how we do it. Okay. Can I take a sip of tea? No, you can't. Am it's I allowed, allowed to drink it all during this thing? Whole time. Whole time. Yeah. I'm ready. You mentioned that you wanted like a cocktail or something to loosen up to do this. Feel free to also do that. There's I no... took five Vicodin, so I'm oh, fine. Oh, okay, great. Are you going to nod off in the middle of this shit? Fuck no, that shit keeps me awake. Oh, does it really? Okay, good. I've been doing Vicodin and iced tea. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Lots of caffeine. Or... <laughs> Oh, hi. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I currently work, or I used to work, at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, Sydney Thomas. Originally from my father's birthplace of Toledo, Ohio. What up, Toledo? Sydney made her real mark growing up in a suburb right outside of Detroit in the raucous late 60s and early 70s. She eventually came to Cincinnati, then did a work exchange in England in the late 80s. She graduated college from the University of Cincinnati in 1988 and lived in NYC shortly thereafter to see what the bright lights of Manhattan could offer. As is often the case, Ohio called her back, and in 2010, she got married and defected to Kentucky. Boo. Where she is now. Boo. Sydney's a very talented creative that now makes beautiful handcrafted pieces of art for her friends and family. Sydney is also a super talented knitter and self-entitled domestic declutterer, who also has experience with hoarding, which I want to talk about. What is truly amazing is that Sydney can look at your space and not only make it more aesthetically pleasing, but she can also make it more efficient. I better know Sydney from her being my mom's best friend and her letting me endlessly talk about Hollywood nonsense, sorry, Sydney, that she humors me with and listens to and asks all about, boring as I'm sure I make it. She also expanded my entertainment exposure by suggesting one of the best written shows I've seen in ages called Wentworth, which everyone should immediately go watch, if only to see Robbie Magasieva. I'm saying his last name wrong, but y'all are going to know who he is. You're going to get to see his arms and face and body. That show was worth it for that. So, Sydney, tell us, what did I leave out? What got you into organizing and crafting? What's the best TV show you could recommend besides Wentworth? Because you said the bar so high. Tell the folks. Mm. <laughs> um, God, I'm a gorgeous yes. redhead with freckles. She just is. like you. In fact. Uh, yes. So what got me involved in domestic cluttering? Um, after I got married, my husband was diagnosed with cancer, which I am. I, this is not a pity show. Boo, Sydney. Boo. No, but the good thing was, is that while I was taking care of him, it was like, you know, kind of life was up in the air. So after he passed on, I was like, I finally had control for the first time in a couple of years. And I went through every place in my house and cleaned every single thing. I refolded everything. Every sheet I had, I organized every drawer. Even my bad drawer is organized. Oh, yeah. So I thought, God, okay, how do I turn my anal retentiveness into moolah? And that's when I started telling my friends that I could come and clean their house and be a domestic declutterer and get paid for it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you were born in Toledo and then you you went to Michigan. So what was it like growing up outside of Detroit in the like late 60s, early 70s? What was that like? Well, it was great. But actually, I was through the I was a baby and my parents were driving through the riots. I mean, this is the 68 riots. I mean, the big time riots. Oh my God, tell me about it. Was I mean, it, obviously you're a baby, but... Right. Was it the Watts riot or was that California? Uh, well, Watts so, is in California. I'll look it up. Okay, all right. So then up. was it... Um, oh, I don't have, but, I don't have internet. Go but ahead. they were the race, they were the race riots. And we were driving home from my grandparents' house and all of a sudden 
crazy things were happening. And it was on the radio. I mean, you didn't have cell phones, obviously, back then. But we made it home alive. So and you literally drove we through. We literally drove I-75 through the race riots of 1968. Were they, were people, so for non-Ohio, Kentucky people, I-75 is our massive freeway. So I oh, don't know right. what the equivalent would be the rest of the country, but like maybe Route 66 or whatever the hell. Right. But were there actual people on the freeway? I don't think there were actual people on the freeway, but there were like SWAT teams and lights were out. Wow. It, uh, it's crazy how that's but so again, apropos. And I was almost three. Sure. So I was too busy smoking in the car seat to obviously. really pay attention. <laughs> As you would. <laughs> um, that's so nuts how that's so parallel to what we're walking through right now as a country. Like, what oh, an absolutely. And I would call them protests now, not riots, but riots, they were called at the time in the 60s and early 70s. Everybody calm down. Um, okay. So you, so you're, you're experiencing living outside of Detroit during that time. Now, what was the, did you live in a mostly like black neighborhood or was it, was it a white? No, it was probably mostly Caucasian. It was a little town called Royal Oak. And it, I mean, it was a charming little, little community town. And you, so you live there and you're, what brought you back to Cincinnati? Or I guess for the first time, because you were born in Toledo. So what got you to Cincinnati? Right. So my dad was transferred in 1975. So I was 10. And then my dad was transferred. I grew up in this nice little quaint town called Marymount where nothing bad ever happened. You could leave your doors unlocked. And literally the worst thing that ever happened in Marymount, it was in the town crier, is somebody had their snow shovel stolen off their porch. What? For shame. Yeah. For shame. The town (laughs) shut down pretty much. (laughs) What's funny, though, is like, I mean, for non-Ohio people, I love Marymount. That's one of my favorite neighborhoods in Cincinnati. It's still kind of a sleepy town-esque. I mean, I know stuff happens there, but it's still got that kind of vibe, which is lovely. Yeah. But there actually was a murder there. Ooh. Yeah. A murder was about maybe eight years ago. An estranged husband killed his wife and she actually graduated from the same high school I graduated from. Oh my God. I know. Wait, I didn't, I didn't hear anything about that. So did they catch him? Oh yeah. I mean, he was like right there. He probably had the gun in his hand. I'm not sure if he shot her or maybe stabbed her. It was pretty terrible. Damn. Okay. That is terrible. I guess things bad do happen then. Yeah, I guess. All right. Yeah. I'm ending my statement. Okay. So then you go to UC for undergrad. Right. And then what took you overseas to England? What was that about? Oh my gosh. That was was the greatest experience of my life. So I was working at a runaway shelter and working at the runaway shelter, I had this opportunity back then in Washington. um, I guess there was this group or this organization that wanted people to do exchange programs. So instead, like where a lot of people do like an exchange program when they're in high school Mm -hmm. or college to go to school there. What I did was a work exchange. So I left my job at the runaway shelter and went and lived with a family. And their son came and lived with my mom and worked at my job, and then I worked and worked at his job. So I worked at, uh, it was called the Phoenix, and it was in Epsom Downs, Surrey. And it was great. I worked with teenage kids and younger kids, and I thought the day that I left for England, I thought, I know the best experience is going to be, I'm going to meet all of these beautiful British men, and they're going to take me across the country. It's going to be great. But honestly, my very favorite memory there was listening to the Beatles with teenage kids sitting in this smoke filled. It was like a boys girl club kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Do you know, does it still, is it still around today? I don't know. It might be, 
but it was the idea was that it was like a, a sort of a, not necessarily like for runaways. It was just sort of a place right. for kids to hang out. Exactly. It was definitely not a runaway shelter. It okay. was different. So they had different aged kids and basically they went because the town, I mean, some of the kids could be troubled. And in this particular town, not a lot of kids went to college. And they, I mean, they were drinking at 16. And so it was just a place for them to go and get out of what was going in on their house. There were pool tables. I taught the girls how to make pom-poms and do cheers. And Aww. yeah, it was really fun. Um, well, to our listeners in the UK, I don't have the internet on my computer right now. So you can message us. I'm not going to look it up. You can let us know if the Phoenix, you said it was called in Surrey. Yes. And it was on Merland Rise. Okay. Well, someone email us from the UK. If you're listening, let us know if that's a real thing still. So how long were you in England? So I was in England for three months. Okay. And when it was over, were you like, oh, I want to move here or were oh, you like I was devastated oh were you? I was devastated it was like the first month was great it was a vacation the second month I was so homesick I wanted to come home the third month I didn't want to leave oh that's tough and so why did you come back because that was the amount of time for the exchange program okay and was so that I had to come back did you get college credit or anything for that no oh. but I did have my my salary was paid while I was there oh nice yeah so it was good Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And for listeners who are tuning in right now, as you are, because that's a stupid sentence that I've just said, because this isn't live. So I'm really good at what I'm doing. And I'm out of practice, folks. It is pouring down rain here in Kentucky. And so that may pick up on the mic, but it's beautiful out. And I'm not going to stop recording for some rain. You guys, you have dealt with Zoom and FaceTime and all the nonsense this whole time in quarantine. You can enjoy a little bit of rain. Okay. So you, so you come back and you graduate. What was your major in college? communication arts okay so basically i'm qualified to do absolutely nothing <laughs> oh well <laughs> so weird we interview so many people who have useless degrees minus one doctor hmm, what do we have in common uh okay so you get communication arts degree and then why did you move to new york then was it like did you have artistic pursuits in in your I was in love oh uh, okay yeah. but you didn't there was no nothing creative you wanted to pursue in new york well, I, wa I knew I wanted to work in a motion picture company. And we will get into that a little bit later. But did you end up doing that when you were in New York? Work in a motion picture yeah. company? I certainly did. Oh, that's so neat. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you live in New York for how long? About two years. Okay. And then did was there the breakup got you back to Cincinnati or was it you were just sick of New York? Oh, no. He had a girlfriend. Oh, God. I'm pretty like, yeah, I got to get the hell out of here. Oh, you were engaged and he was like doing was that on the side? Oh, of course. He was a man. I mean, excuse me. I mean, yes. Not all men are trash. No, they're but, wonderful. Yeah. But wait, how did you discover that he had a girlfriend? Oh, well, um, he had a briefcase and he was out one night doing something. Probably, am I allowed to say fucking her? No. Okay. This podcast is super okay, G-rated. Okay. Never so, curse again, you bitch. Yeah, of course was, you can cuss. He was Go probably on. having intercourse with her. <laughs> Sexual and, intercourse. Yes, exactly. And he had this briefcase. Okay, now, okay, I'm not man bashing. However, the briefcase had a code on it, okay? So I'm trying these different codes. I'm thinking, okay, is it his birthday? What is it? I got to figure it out. Guess what the code was? 911 or something? Zero, zero, zero. Oh, charming. <laughs> okay. So yeah, and I was in love with them. So I open the briefcase and I find these pictures of um, Michael and this girl. And I'm thinking, oh, I guess this is his ex-girlfriend. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. How could this be his ex-girlfriend if that's the shirt that I bought him for Christmas? Ooh. Yeah. So it's okay. It's okay. So. Um, but you must have had some inkling that made you want to go into the briefcase. I, I hate. Well, of course, because, well, he had a drinking problem and he really wasn't that great of a person. He 
my mom used to call him slick. And that's what he was. He was slick. I mean, he looked like he probably had connections to the mob. Mm. So he wasn't really an honest person. And I think sometimes if you're not an honest person, then other things in your life are not so honest. Weird. Weird. Yeah. It's a through line. They call that being on brand. Okay. Ooh. So you so you discovered these pictures. And yes. then did you immediately confront him and say, who's this bitch in these pictures? Uh, no. I went into my job the next day and I quit. Whoa. I went in, I quit. And I said, oh, you know, I did, gave it some time or whatever. Meaning you gave them two weeks or you No, just... I, I, I actually gave them a month. And I don't even I don't even know how I confronted him or if I ever did or what happened. And then I moved home, but then I really didn't break up with him. I still went back and got my wedding dress and I mean I was in a coma. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know what the hell was going on. So you don't remember having some sort of confrontational experience with him where you let him know you discovered the pictures of him with this woman. You just were like, I'm going to. Yeah, like maybe I did. And oh, they were just friends or something. I I believed it. I came back home. Then I was still in love with him. And so and then eventually I did end the relationship with him. And I did. I got her. I mean, back in the day, you could really get any even if though there wasn't the internet i mean i called the phone company because i knew he was on the phone with her one night i called the phone company and got the telephone number this woman's telephone number and i called and so she answered the phone and i said whatever so he gets on the phone i said i said you motherfucker why didn't you just tell me you were screwing this woman i'd let i would have let you go and then she gets on the phone and she's like, Michael, go get my cigarettes. And now oh my God. And she like had this. New York, oh, I was like, you know what? Thank God. I'm like, thank God that that's the woman he's going to have to be with. So that's yeah. OK. All right. Well, good for you. So you yeah. pack up, you come back to Cincinnati. So then how long before you defected to Kentucky? Because it was 2010 when you got married. Oh, my God. So. OK, so that was like another 20 years. <laughs> OK. <laughs> and then you came to Kentucky because you got married yes. or OK. And that's where then you're here now. Yes. Um, so what what sort of so you said you mentioned that your your husband that has since passed uh, had cancer and that was what sort of triggered you into knowing that you were going to be or just thinking that you might be good at this sort of organizing and helping people in that arena. When did you think I can charge money for this with other people and not just be doing this for my friends or myself? Because I knew I was offering a service and what better way to take one of your problems, like my anal retentiveness, and put it into money. So the first person who hired me was a friend, and I helped her daughter. And I looked at all of the stuff that we got rid of, and it was so great. And I remember your mom had told me about a book one time called Does This Clutter Make My Ass Look Big? (laughs) And there actually is a correlation between eating disorders and people who have hoarding issues. Wait, really? Oh, totally. Oh, please elaborate. Well... I mean, kind of think about it. And even if you're out, just think about it. It's like holding on to things. I mean, people who I mean, there is a deep psychological issue with people who are hoarders. It's like they're holding on, just like if you're holding on to weight, or you're holding on to the past, or you're holding on to this shit that doesn't need to be held on, you just need to let it go. Is that something like, in your experience, helping a house that someone owned that was a hoarder? Did they also, when you say, because I think people think eating disorders, they always think anorexia, but disordered right. eating can is a spectrum, right? Oh, so absolutely. Yeah. Overeating, binge eating, being sure. overweight. I mean, even losing and gaining 
large amounts of weight is an eating disorder. Sure. Yeah. The the fluctuation is a part of it. So in the people that you've worked with that had hoarded houses, were they overweight? She actually, she had a little bit of an eating problem. She had more of an anxiety issue mm-hmm. and she refused to take, ans- you know, here I was trying to be her psychologist and say, God, take some medication or something, please. You need help. But I, see, I think what's interesting, I mean, I watch Hoarders and it's it fascinates me because besides the psychological component, these professional organizers who come in and do the work that you do, they really, I mean, there is a psychological component. I know on the show they've, they've got a psychologist or a psychiatrist physically on set and there and as front facing the camera. But a version of what the professional organizers do is talking the person down off of the ledge of this right. sort of intrusive. So were you finding, I mean, I, I, like, I'm just so curious about all of this. Were you finding that you were having to do that with her a lot? Was talking her off the ledge? In Oh, absolutely. And I made the mistake of coming over to her house and talking to her a little bit first. So I would be there for four hours, but two of them, in addition, was talking to her and talking her off the ledge and I wasn't getting paid for it. And I think I was only charging $20, which was insane. Oh yeah. And then I went to my therapist afterwards and I was like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. I said, I'm charging so-and-so $20 an hour and I have to come to you and pay you $150 an hour to decompress, to decompress. And my therapist so gently said to me, Sydney, you are not coming to therapy because of your decluttering person. Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, you're like, I shatter my world. Okay, fine. Yeah, exactly. So when you would, was this, because I think television and our sort of what we view as hoarding, it's always this combative experience because they're living in floor to ceiling, you know, newspapers from 50 years ago or floor to ceiling like animal feces because they haven't taken care of it and that created rodents. Was this situation that? No, she was not that bad. She did have three rooms in the upstairs where she could not move at all. I mean, you could not move anywhere. And even when I was decluttering for her, she had, like, you know when you get a blouse and you have an attached button or something? She had these things. She would not let me throw anything away like that. Okay. So so things that clearly had no use. She, exactly. Or just putting things away. But I mean, not the not the animal thing, not the feces things. Yeah. And the house was actually, there was cleanliness to the house. It was just so much stuff. And there was something missing in her that she had to keep buying these things to make her feel better. She had tons of clothes that she didn't wear. Probably never even had the tags off of them. But the problem was working with her was I was literally getting sick because all of that has energy. Mm. It emits energy. And what it was doing to me was it was physically making me sick and I had to stop working for her. How interesting. Were you potentially like ingesting mold or things that actually were, it wasn't just a physiological component, it was an actual physical component or was it all mind-body connection? I think it was mind-body connection. And again, her house was, it's not like it was one of the nasty places or she didn't wash dishes. It was that I truly believe, I mean, this table, the pillow, the microphone, everything has energy. Sure. And if you have all of these things that are giving off this energy, It's so unhealthy. And then I'd go back the next day and guess what would be all over the table? The same shit that I had just taken off. No. Oh, I would have lost my GD mind. Oh, no way. Absolutely no way. Okay, so we're going to get, obviously, in the next section, we'll get more specific about other jobs and stuff. But I just wanted to, hoarding just fascinates me in all of that world. So Yeah, try um, going to clean her house. 
I just be so fascinated. Yeah, anymore. I can't imagine. I mean, good for you, though, for taking care of yourself for and saying I can no longer work in this environment. Did she take it OK that you were like, I can't do this anymore? She said something like, does it have something to do with me? Bless her. She knew. Jeez. Oh, bless her heart. That's no, it's tough. never you. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Actually, in this case, it is you. It's not me. It's something to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So get us up to a little bit more to today. So okay. your husband got sick and right. then passed away how long ago? Oh, my God. It's been like six years. But we had a lot of fun before he died. So this is not a sob story. It's okay. It's part yeah. of the story, okay. though. Okay. Yeah. So he, you had a lot of fun. He passes away. And then now today, what do you, what do you, I don't even know how to ask this. Like, what are your sort of goals for the future for, uh, do you have professional goals or do you have sort of anything you want to do with the house or like anything that's sort of getting us up to today that like wakes you up in the morning that you're like, I love fill in the blank and it can be TV and you have TVs. Well, um, God, I hope I make it through this interview, this <laughs> podcast. I hope I make it through the day. I hope I wake up tomorrow to go to work. I want to I want to enjoy life. I mean, I don't have a full-time job. I have like part-time jobs. I mean, I did kind of marry well. So that was nice. I love working on my house. I would love to go on a fucking vacation. Hello. However, comma, welcome to Corona. COVID time is fun time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I almost it's almost like being there is okay it's the getting there how do you get there yeah anyway so you so you're um you mentioned having a job now what do you do now that is you are you still organizing and doing stuff for for people on the side uh no i organize my own house i do a little bit so i work at a bakery my friend owns a cupcake cookie shop am i allowed to say the name of it yeah shout out the sweetery the sweetery in marymount ohio oh seriously best cupcakes and cookies ever okay i don't know she must put something addictive in them probably Totally. Yeah, that feels maybe very could, Ohio. Maybe we could get her to sponsor this podcast. Oh, that's yeah, sure. Holy. Hello. You got yeah. gluten-free cupcakes? Oh, I'm, I'm all about it. Oh, sorry. Nothing gluten-free. Damn it. Well, then maybe. Fine. Sorry. Maybe she can sponsor my guests. It's fine. It's <laughs> good. Uh, so amazing. And I'm kind of the front of the house, even though we don't let people in the shop right now because of COVID. But I wait on people and I'm the personality behind it. But I do like to organize things at the shop. So that helps. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so that gets us up to today. And all right, where is that? Okay, I uh, hope you enjoy. Oh, well, real quick. Yes. Now, really quickly. I already put this in the intro. You haven't answered it yet. You recommended Wentworth and ruined my life because oh. I spent hours and hours and hours watching that beautiful man and also this just like crazy well-written show. Right. Which it's it's the Australian Orange is the New Black, but Orange is the New Black doesn't in my opinion hold a candle to because it's like on steroids it's like orange new black on steroids yeah because it's so much more intense it feels realer feels like this is really prison and nicole de silva hello frankie doyle oh she's such a good actor do you have another recommendation that can hold a candle to wentworth or something else it doesn't have to be in the same genre but is there another show that is as good so i mean totally different genre i love the league Okay. 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 Now they're not making new episodes of that, right? Oh no, that's been off for years. But that's one of those shows that you could watch it over and over and over and over. Why? Again, because they're hilarious. I mean, this group of comedians, absolutely. Have you've not seen it? Mark Duplass. Is that how you mm-hmm. pronounce his last name? Mm-hmm. Or Duplass. Duplass. Yeah, yeah. Nick God. Kroll. Nick Kroll. Mm-hmm. I love Nick Kroll. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a, it, it, in the premise is that they've all been friends since high school and they love fantasy football. But even if you don't like football, it doesn't matter mm. because it's just their 
their characters, they're fun, they're funny and obnoxious. Their relationships. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's a comedic one that you would recommend that you can binge watch that you love. Right. Another okay. really good show that's fun is Hustle. Hustle. Do it's I? a British show. Oh, it's okay. not The Hustle. Okay. It's Hustle, which is these five, uh, five people in England. Actually, one of them is an American. And they are basically con artists. But they do big cons. Okay. They do like 250 thousand pound cons and it's it's genius and it's fun oh great okay hustle i don't know that show all right well recommend great i'm gonna yeah, go watch hustle. that well we hope you enjoyed your apps we're gonna go on to the entrees after a quick break we are back and now it is time to move on to the entrees okay so as is true with I'm all of starving. my guests i'm okay, sorry good well, i probably then. shouldn't interrupt the hostess well, okay I? you had we just had a little bit of nachos and like a plate of salad we didn't even get into the steak yet well <sighs> neither of us eat red meat but that's fine Gosh. good 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 job kate i'm doing great okay so and this is the super speedy speed round of questions okay, i'm just gonna okay, ask okay. you and feel okay. free to tell stories off of the questions that i ask okay. um and i'll be as specific as possible okay what was your first job ever 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 not just necessarily customer service but the first job where you received money for babysitting how long were you a babysitter and what age did you start uh well i started at 11 jesus and I, christ what were you doing watching kids at 11 <laughs> exactly oh and this God. this bitch woman that i worked for she was this newly divorcee and she was out till probably three o'clock in the morning leaving an 11 year old with yes, her kids until yes. then? oh that's insane yeah, that's exactly a, that's, yeah. that's that's she should have been reported and when i got home and i counted the money it was like four, literally, she paid me about $4. She paid, it ended up being like 72 cents an hour. I'll die. 72 cents an hour. Now, granted, this was, you know, what, 40 years it ago. It wasn't the 30s. I, I know. And the next time she called me to babysit because I'd worked my ass off and those kids had so much fun with me, she asked me to babysit. And I said, well, okay, I'll babysit. But you obviously made a mistake when you paid me last time. She said, what do you mean? I said, I think you, you know, you gave me four dollars. You, you should have given me. She's like, oh, that's all I pay. And I said, well, you ain't ever gonna have me babysitting your kids again. Good for you at eleven. Yeah. Good for you. Oh, I don't even know if I have the huts, but be that strong now. And that's how we should advocate for ourselves, especially as women. Like exactly. That's a but, great. But you know what? I digress. I think. Uh, I think the first job that I actually literally got money for was rubbing my mother's feet. Oh, we're gonna not end. We're not gonna talk about that on this podcast. Okay. We gonna just talk about babysitting because feet disgust <laughs> But I me. have been in hours of therapy <laughs> to take care of that. <laughs> cool. We're gonna move past it. Okay. Can you edit that out? Kate? Nope. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> Shit, I'm in trouble. Everything you say is going. Schedule another appointment. <laughs> How many customer service jobs have you had? Every single job I've ever had has been customer service. Okay, let's count them. Let's go. Oh, so God. we started, okay. uh, we're not counting the, the feed situation. I don't want to talk about that. Okay, no, 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 no. Babysitting okay, so, okay, so the babysitter. Then I worked at the Marymount Branch Library. Two. And then I worked at Holmes Hospital. Three. What were you doing in Holmes Hospital? You don't have to speed through this. What were you doing there? Oh, okay, Holmes Hospital. I was a ward clerk. So basically, I took doctor's orders. Not, not like he wouldn't like say to me, you know, hand me a scalpel or anything. I would answer phones. I would answer patient calls and a patient would say something. What does that mean? Take doctor's orders. What do okay, you mean? Okay, I'm sorry. So a doctor would write orders and say, you know, Kate Gaffney's been admitted and she's you know, got vaginal bleeding or something. Why so. don't you tell my tales on this fucking podcast, Sydney? <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I hope your mother's not listening to this one. <laughs> and so I would, you know, take down and I'd say, you know, she has to have her bandages changed every so often or whatever. Oh, so he, so the, he or she, the doctor would right. just write, to write the orders. And then I would kind of like transcribe them and do what I needed to do. Or I'd oh, answer the phones. People would want to call, see how their loved one is doing. Or a patient would call and say, I'll never forget patient called and said, um, I need something for flatulence. 
Get the fuck I'm out thinking, of here. What the, I mean, I was 18 years old. How did you not? I giggle now. I was totally giggling. And I'm thinking, flat. I mean, I had to look it up in the fucking dictionary to see what flatulence even meant. Oh, that's funny. So then, then you had to call in each room and find the nurse. I mean, it wasn't like nurses had cell phones back then. Sure. So I literally had to call and find the nurse. And when the nurse finally said, okay, what does the man in 4B want? And I had to repeat it. Oh, my God. He wants something for flatulence. Yeah, at 18. Like, <laughs> exactly. How did, that's so ridiculous. Okay, I, so wait. Uh, so you took, what was your title there, though? I think it was called, oh, a ward clerk. Or, ward clerk. Or specialist, is, something like cler- clerical specialist. That is such a weird. I know. Vague, I know. like, what an odd. Okay. Yeah. All right, so hold on. We're going back. So babysitting, library, ward clerk. We're only at three, or did you say a fourth and I missed it? Okay, no, that no, that's right. Okay, then I worked at the runaway shelter. So okay, that's for sure customer service. Oh, All right, totally customer service. What okay. was your title there? I don't know, den mother, did whatever. Would I, you like answer phones at the front, or were you in? The oh, mix everything, with it? everything. You I would answer. Okay. I would answer suicide calls. Oof. I would answer calls from. But you know what? But the sad thing was, is back then, and again, this was the eighties. Kids were running away because the 14-year-old girl, her mother wouldn't let her go out with the 25-year-old boyfriend, so she runs away. Just to have sex with the older guy? Well, or because her mm. mom is abusive. Her mom wasn't abusive. Her mom doesn't want her dating some 25-year-old guy. Yeah, exactly. I think, that unfortunately, the real abusive kids, we never saw them. Like the kids that were truly abused? Yeah, it was kind of sad. So, oh, God. Yeah. So you guys, so I guess what I don't understand with the, the concept of a runaway shelter is were they then housed and, you know, eating yes. and showering and this is where they yes. live? Yeah. So would their parents be made aware of the fact? Oh, that they, absolutely. You had to call the parents within 24 hours. So there was a state, like was the state involved in this location? Yes. It would have been county. It would have been oh. like a county. So this was Hamilton County. So that was Cincinnati, Ohio. And it okay. was down by UC. And I was working there while I was going to college. And... I mean, there were kids who ran away for other reasons, and then, but they lived there. I mean, there were boys and there were girls, and they would sleep there. They would take their shower. They would eat. I mean, I'd have to make them dinner every Saturday and Sunday, and I have to cook for like twenty runaways. So, what I guess I don't understand is, did did so when these kids who, for whatever reason that they wanted to go or they wanted to leave home, was their destination? I'm going to go to the runaway shelter and live there, or was it that someone in the county scooped them off the street and right. said, "You got to go to the shelter"? So it was both. Ooh. So kids could go there by themselves. Okay. I had a parent one time on a Saturday. It was like a nine o'clock on a Saturday night, and this woman drops her for kids. She's like, "Okay, he doesn't follow my rules. He's not my problem anymore. He's your problem." Holy shit. And I'm thinking, I did not give birth to this kid. This kid's not my problem. Anyway, of course, you, you take them in. But then doesn't that become like she surrendered her parental rights? I mean, oh, it's there... not that serious. Okay. I mean, yes and no. Okay. But and it was a temporary shelter. So the kids were not meant to be there for more than 30 days. I mean, even the average would have maybe been five days or a week or something. Now, we had kids who were referred by the juvenile justice system. And we had counselors there who would counsel the parents and say, okay, you know, and again, try. The goal was to get the kid back with their parents. Okay, so it's like transitional housing, kind. No, not even transitional. It's more like a take a break. Have you ever had kid. an argument with your parents? Never. I'm an angel. Okay, not once. So praise. The definitely Lord. not in COVID. Definitely not living in my mother's basement. We have gotten along pristinely. It's okay, perfect. so then, then, then this is irrelevant. Have, yeah. You would have no need for <laughs> none. Water. Okay. Well, I, for example, when I was young, I did have issues with my parents. You were the only one. Go ahead. The only one. <laughs> and so maybe I wanted to run away because whatever it was, you know, my mom was making me work too much or she was, you know, just some sort of authority bumping head. 
dad's situation as all children exactly yes, exactly okay. so you run away and then you counsel just like if you know if you've ever been in counseling and you tr- you, you know you want to work out the problem because most of the kids are not going to be taken out of their home because where are you going to put them well that's i guess that's where my brain is right. going because like because you wouldn't I mean, foster care is an option if the parent has surrendered parental rights or, you know, there's sort of a, I, I, what I, because this, this is also fascinating to me because it's sort of a generational response to children. And Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting thing to see how it was handled at that time. Cause I'm trying to think now I'm like, are there even, I mean, there's, there's community centers that pop up, I guess I'm thinking in terms of LA, like there's places that kids can go for the day, but I don't even, I mean, this is totally my ignorance. So I'm not saying these places don't exist, but I've never heard of in, in 2020, right. Some sort of, you know, runaway shelter, which feels like it would serve a function and purpose. Oh, it still exists. It It does. It still exists. Okay. But again, the goal was, is to get the child and the parent talking again and maybe start therapy. Maybe the, the family had never had therapy before. So then were you trained as a counselor or because you called yourself a den mother or were you just, I'll handle the logistics here? I think it was, okay, crisis, crisis counselor. Okay. But also too, I was the one who was in charge. So I was the responsible adult. <laughs> Wink. They were stupid. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And then we had volunteer. I started out as a volunteer and then got a paid position. Okay. And so you, would you be the front facing, you know, cause I would imagine some kids found their way there after, cause I just think, I, I mean, my brain goes so negative. I think of being trafficked. I'm like, how are these kids? Like if there's a place right. now for kids to just go, that would right. be a safe sort of shelter. Right. That's a beautiful idea. Exactly. So, but I feel like the load on you as, I mean, cause how old were you when you were doing this? Gosh, it was like I was, I guess it was 19. So it was 19. So you and then even I worked there until than... I moved to, to New York. So okay. I worked there all through college, basically. Okay. And so you were the den mother. So you would, I guess, so where I'm trying to envision it, maybe this is too nuanced, but I'm sure it had a capacity. So right. children are admitted. Yes. And then uh, they either walk up on them, themselves or the, the parent hands them over for a cool off five day, whatever. Did they have a hard out of 30 days? No. Okay, so then what would make the kid leave and go back to wherever? So within 24 hours, you needed to contact the parent that the child was there. Okay, okay. And then within a day or two, they were assigned a counselor. Okay. And then again, the counselor would find out what's going on, be more in depth, what's going on in the house, find out all about them. Okay. The goal was, again, to reunite them with the parents, unless maybe the parents were really abusive or something happened. Okay. I mean, and I saw kids who were then maybe placed in foster care were adopted by another family member. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Did that take a lot out of you? I feel like that would just, I don't know that I could do it. It it did. I mean, there were lo- there was a lot of it that was fun, but I mean, I was working 10 hours on Saturday and 10 hours on Sunday. Then I had to go, you know, back to college, the whole thing. It's too much. But the thing that I found fascinating there is these kids. Am I going to talk about sex on this? Absolutely. Okay. So way more sex than I was having at that age. Oh, I mean, bless. and Ugh. the craziest thing ever was we had a laundry room and one night I found a note in the laundry room that was from this one boy to this day I can envision him and he meant it for this other girl and these kids must have been 15 and this <sighs> note said, and I quote, 
meet me in the laundry room tonight because I want to fuck you till you bleed out your toes. Jesus Christ. Okay, now, I don't know about you, but even at 55, I mean, like that's going to turn, oh yeah, I'm going to be in the laundry room. So you're bleeding out of your toes. Yeah. Uh, No thanks. Yeah. I wonder what that kid's doing now. Well, also, but at 15, I think, you know, he probably thought this is this is a cool, sexy thing. (laughs) Also, boys in their teens are just a walking pile of hormones and don't even know where to put their hands. So, I mean, he was just probably thinking (laughs) feet. There you go. Well done. Um, Okay, so that's four jobs. Okay, okay, so then also when I was in college, I worked at Frisch's, you know, the big boy, yay, for two months because, but then I had to quit after I waited on this group of guys. And back then you could smoke, so they were like smoking up a storm. And I'm, you know, delivering them their big boys and their Cokes and their onion rings and uh, I start walking away. And one of the guys said, could you come back here for a minute, please? I said, sure. So I walked back and I said, what did you need? And he said, oh, we just wanted to see you walk away again so we could watch your big ass shake as you go back to the counter. Yeah, wow. Okay. Check, nice. please. Yeah. <laughs> did you quit shortly thereafter? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, because you were just like, I won't be spoken to like that? Right. But actually, I did think it took, I think it was that. I didn't want to be spoken that way. I probably didn't even go back to the, t- I mean, I've had balls yeah. that I can't believe the stuff that I've done. Yeah. But I had this one guy, and when you'd work the counter at Frisch's, there was always this drunk man who'd come in like almost every night that I would work, and he'd get a cup of coffee, and coffee back then was like a dollar, and then, you know, tax or whatever. So he'd put his change out that somebody must have put in his cup. So one day he finally came in, and he wanted a cup of coffee, and I said, nope, not going to get it for you. He said, why? I said, because, you know, you've come in here every night that I've ever worked, and you have never once tipped me. And he said, well... You know, I don't have a lot of money. I said, well, if you want a cup of coffee, you're going to have to tip me. Wow. So he's like, okay. So he gave me a dollar. Um, Bless I, him. I know in that grade. So I went and I got his cup of coffee, put it there, put the sugar there. And then I gave him his check and got ready to pay. And I said, okay, I need your money. He's like, I don't have it. I left it as your tip. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it's coffee. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's it. Okay. Not worth it. Not worth it. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. So we're that's six. Are we at six? Five. 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 Okay. Keep going. Okay, then I graduated. Wait, wait, you didn't count the job in England. That's not been on our list Oh, yet. right. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay, so then, um, yeah, the Phoenix. The Phoenix, so, so that's, that's six. six. Okay. Yes, and then then I moved, then Orion Pictures. Okay, seven. I was a sales assistant for two um, guys who sold syndication, and a great job. And when I was in my interview with them, they basically said, God, if you can take care of 20 runaways, you can probably take care of the two of us. <laughs> And they said, um, one of them said, so we travel a lot. So, you know, you're going to be on your own a lot. And how are you going to feel about that? And I said, and really genuinely, I said, oh, I guess I'll miss you. You said that in the interview, huh? I said that in the interview. And then they hired me. Yay. Yay. Got the job. Going my first day, sitting there with Tommy Serio. I still remember his name. He was wonderful. Oh, he was like the guy who syndicated Sex in the City. I mean, he was oh, wow. huge in the syndication business anyway. Yada, yada, yada. No, so, that's exciting. Don't yada, yada, yada. Yeah, he that's was great. wonderful. Okay. So he said, well, come on in, sit down. And great to have you on board. And he said, you know, I hired you. I said, uh, yeah, because I've got this college degree. I mean, I didn't want to be a, okay, let's face it. I was a secretary. I mean, and I kept going to these job placement agencies and they're like, okay, well, okay, you'll be a secretary. I'm like, excuse me. Sorry. I don't think you understand. I have this college degree here and um, I need a really good, like I want to be a producer or be in sales. I don't need to be a secretary. (laughs) 
God. Okay, but guess what job I got? Secretary. I was a secretary. <laughs> so Tommy said, you know, I hired you. I said, yeah, because I got this college degree and I'm so smart and um, blah, 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 blah. And he said, uh, no. I'm like, what? He said, you can't type. You only type like 43 words a minute. You can't do shorthand. You've never been a secretary before. So I'm just kind of like, okay, great. I'm going to go snort some Coke or something because I'm not going to make it through this job. So he said, I hired you because of the person you are. I hired you because of your personality. Wow. He said, I can teach you how to type. I can teach you how to do shorthand. You can learn all those things, but you can't learn to be a good person, which was one of the most valuable lessons I've ever had because I've always been in management and I've always thought about that when I hire people. Sure. That's a great, that's a great way of saying it. And that's a good, I mean, that's invaluable. It okay. Is. So Orion's seven. Okay. And then I moved back to Cincinnati because of course he was having an affair. Blah, blah, blah. And then I worked for Volunteers of America, which was a halfway house for convicted felons, murderers, uh, sex offenders, drug dealers, what have you. And I did fundraising then. So for them there for them. Yes. Okay, so that's eight. I wasn't fundraising for the criminals. I was fundraising for the organization. <laughs> I mean, come on, Kate. Sorry about my best place. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's eight. Okay. Okay. And then I worked at a company called Start Renting that we recovered money for hospitals. So if somebody went to a hospital and they didn't have insurance. Oh, shit. So, so that's definitely customer service. Okay, yeah, nine. Exactly. Jesus. So basically we helped people get on welfare. And these oh. were people who were, I mean, and it really was, it was gratifying because it was, these were not people who were scamming the system, you know, because if you were out of work for a while, you might not have had the money or made the money. So I did that for nine months. Then while I was doing that, I worked at the Cincinnati Hotel. That's as 10. a sales manager. Oh, bless. And they okay. hired me because of my experience in New York working with the entertainment industry. Okay. All right. That's yeah. 10. What else? Okay. So then after the Cincinnati okay, then I, oh, then I worked for my friend, Judy, who had a bar, a jazz club. What was that called? Uh, called Judy's Harmony. Oh, interesting name. Okay. Yeah. It's 11. And then, what were you doing there? Were you bartending or what were uh, you? Bartending, cocktailing. Okay. Then I worked for a company called Start Renting, which it was a rental guide, like a free rental guide. And I was supposed to sell stuff to people to list their apartments or whatever to rent. Okay. I did that for two months. I hated it. It was not a good job. Hated it. Then I was a clinic counter manager selling cosmetics. That was fun. I really loved that. You did? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Because okay. I loved my customers. I loved makeup. I liked making people feel good about themselves. So you didn't have to deal with any like bitch women that were like, you of know. Of course I had to deal with bitch women. Okay. I've Just dealt with bitch women my entire life. Uh, I'm really an expert. Yeah. So it's 13. Okay. okay. And then I was a, I worked at Curves and I was a manager, manager of a Curves, which is where I met your mother. That's true. What, what is Curves? Because I don't think everyone will know Okay. That. So Curves is a fitness facility designed especially for women, featuring a 30 minute workout with weight management and aerobic activity to give you a full cardiovascular man workout in 30 minutes. Ooh, good pitch. <laughs> now I want to join. Yeah, yeah good but they're basically baby. not really in business anymore. Oh, so. really? I don't uh, know. They've lost a lot of, I mean, at one time, there were over 10,000. It was the fastest growing franchise in world history. Holy shit. Yes. And that, what happened? Um, I mean, I have a lot of theories. I think I think the biggest thing is, you know, people want to lose weight. People want to be healthy, but uh -huh. they don't want to put the work into yeah, it. That's facts. That's true. Yeah. And so the only health club that is in existence today that was in existence 40 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, what do you think it is? Um, let me think. Let me think. Gold's Gym? No. Mm -hmm. That's uh, not even in business anymore, I don't think, is it? They are. In California, oh, they are. Oh, okay. But, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. YMCA. 
Oh shit, I didn't even think. Yeah. I should I used to work for them too. See, I didn't even think about that. And the reason is because the why is always changing. If aerobics is in, they're aerobics. If it's Zumba, Zumba's in. If it's strength training, strength training, they're always changing. Wow. Because people always want the miracle. And Curse sure. was pretty much strength training, aerobic activity to give you a full cardiovascular 30 minutes. Yeah. And even though it worked, it was great. Yeah, it, it. I mean, my mom swears by it. Loves exactly. it still. Interesting. I didn't realize it was the fastest growing franchise in the history. Yeah, you could look it up in the record books. And one of the second, I think, was McDonald's. And it took McDonald's something like 30 or 40 years to have 6,000 McDonald's. Curves had 10,000 within maybe 10 years. Holy shit. Yeah. So why do you think if, I mean, just because people are looking for the next solution, but how was it able to grow so quickly? Because it appealed because it appealed to women who were middle-aged or overweight. And everyone could do it because it was hydraulic. So the harder and faster you push and pull, the more resistance you get. Oh. So if you're stronger than I am, I'm on a machine and I'm pushing and pulling as hard as I can, then you're on it. You're not changing it from 10 pounds to 50 pounds. You're going faster and you're getting a better workout. I had a Bengal cheerleader who is one of my members because she worked her ass off and she knew how to do it correctly. But again, anybody could do it. I mean, there were women in there who were 80 years old. There were women in there who were over 300 pounds. Anybody could do it. You adjusted it to be the workout for you. But then there were also women who were in there who were, you know, just sitting on the machines and chatting up a storm. Sure. Well, that's, I mean, that's true in any gym. There's always those group of people where you're like, will you shut the fuck up and get off those weights? Because I need them. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's four, curves is 14. Okay. What was after curves? Then after curves was, oh, this is a fun job. So my husband, Bill, had a newspaper called Inside Fort Thomas. And when I met him, I was 44. I'd been single for like, you know, ever. And I had this idea for a column. And I said, I think it should be called Dear Sydney. And the column is based on a woman who's been single for 44 years. And she's bitter, bitter about men because she's never been married. No man's wanted her. And I said, so the first column was something. So I wrote all of the all of the letters and answered all of them. You weren't customer interfacing though, right? Like you were just, it was all in print. And Correct. then you would get letters back. Okay, so I'm not going to count that one. Okay, sorry. That's, that, no, okay, you, yeah. You get off my podcast. Okay. Pack it up. See this interview is over. Okay, so we're still at 14. Yeah, I see a manager. <laughs> okay, what was next? What was after the column? Okay, so then I started working at the sweetery, taking care of people, and then... Your own organizing business, right? The organizing business, yes. Okay, totally 16. customer service. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the final one would be the DRC, Data Recognition Corp., which oh you're doing well are you that's not that's because you're doing testing right yeah right you're grading tests with that right yeah but yeah that's no customer service because i'm not dealing with customers yeah so 15 okay we're rounding it out at 15 okay okay which was your favorite job of the customer service jobs not of all of your jobs but of customer service because obviously you know i think the clinic counter manager really yeah why because i love helping people i love making people feel good about themselves and i was great at it because I really I'm the kind of person who I has I have to know what I'm doing and I just learned everything they trained us so well and I built a very strong following of people who would continue to come back and purchase things for me and I actually made pretty good money do you still use Clinique products or yes absolutely really how interesting okay what was your least favorite of all the customer service jobs it ended up being curves in the end it was curves why because there were, I mean, I remember it was one of the hurricanes and there were people dying. I mean, I think it was the one in New Jersey, okay? And people were dying and people didn't have homes. And this woman came in and she's about 78 years old and 
she just looked so upset. And I thought, oh my God. I said, you know, Millie, what's wrong? And she said, I'm just so upset. I said, well, what's wrong? Tell me about it. She said, well, you know, ever since the new owner came, we no longer have our names on the walls and she makes us change our shoes before we get on the machines. And I thought, that's it. That's what you're concerned about. When there's this much other stuff going on. And I just thought, and because I had to listen to their bullshit every day and it just, it took the fun out of it. Because people just come up to the counter and whine about stuff? Yeah, they would just be whining about whatever. And I thought, oh my gosh, just get on the machine and do your workout. And you can't obviously say that because you're managing. Ugh. Exactly. Ugh. Okay. And unfortunately, I think every job, you're either a babysitter or a secretary, or it's both. Because well, then really? it just came. Yes. I mean, think about it. Secretary is mm-hmm. you're kind of taking care of things. You're taking care. And babysitter is you're taking care of people, listening to all their whatever. And gosh, that's a really interesting theory. Yeah, that's uh, that distills working in general. Yeah. Okay. What's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? Okay. This this has to do with your mother. Okay. I know this is okay. I mean, maybe this should count, but it was one day. I was there at Kerr's and she was the only woman on the circuit. And okay. usually there'd be like, you know, there could be 20 people, 10, 15 or whatever. And she, we were talking. And it was really the first time I'd ever talked to her. She said, may I tell you something? Thought, oh, boy. I said, here we sure. go. Yeah, I go, here yeah. we go. Oh, okay. So she said, you know, that toilet is filthy dirty. And I said, okay. And she said, you know, do people ever clean it? And I said, well, I know. And she's like, it's she's like at least two months. I think nobody's cleaned it because there's the same like, you know, feces around it. And then the back, you know, she's like, basically, and you know, Kate's mom is a nurse. So, you know, she and my mother was a nurse. So she used all these big terms that I knew like feces. (laughs) So I said, okay, you know, let me go take a look at it. So I go in there and I looked at this toilet and I thought, oh, I mean, it looked like a fraternity. Oh, God. Of boys had been in there for years. So I said, I'll have to excuse myself and I'm going to clean the toilet right now. And she goes, you know, you don't have to. I said, no, I'm going to do it because it really is disgusting. So she didn't really ask me to do it, but I felt obligated to do it. Sure. What? what, Was that not the toilet that you used when you were working there? Yes, but I guess I just, I guess I wasn't down there inspecting it. I mean, (laughs) you know. Okay. She had her white glove or something. Gross. Okay. (laughs) So cleaning the toilet. Okay. Was there an incident in any of your customer service jobs where a customer has asked to speak to the manager? Oh, God, yes. Please. Can you think of one? Oh, yeah. Totally. It was, it was Clinique. Okay. And... It was gift with purchase time. And oh gift with purchase time is basically you spend so much money, you get a free gift. Isn't it great? And we had two a year. And they were each two and a half weeks. Okay. So two gifts, two and a half weeks, five weeks. Five weeks out of the year. So that's 47 weeks of, wait, five weeks. Oh, five weeks. Okay. Versus 47. Sure. We did 60% of our business in, in those five, five weeks. weeks. Damn. Okay. And this was not even Christmas. So it was crazy busy. Like you literally could not even go to the bathroom. And this woman came up to the counter and she wanted her jet black natural glossy mascara. Well, I said, we we're out of it. She said, well, when are you going to get it back in? I said, hopefully it will be in next Tuesday. Okay, so when are you going to get it back? She kept asking me over and over for some reason. I finally looked at her. I said, it will be. I was like yelling at her. I said, next Tuesday is January 27th. It should be coming in at 10 a.m. in the morning. 
Oh, wow. I mean, I was so rude to her. And because I, she kept pushing you. What a weird thing. Because to she wasn't listening already. to me. Yeah. She was crazy. So she goes and I hear that the manager is being paged, the store manager. Oh, shit. And so there we go. She's talking to him. And he never said a word to me because I knew he knew how much pressure I was under. Oh, and he him. knew that she was out of line. And he probably, you know, he was, I'm sure he was very nice to her. But he knew there was nothing. What was he going to say? Well, that's lovely that he had your back in that way, though. Exactly. Because he could have been like a customer complaint about you. I have to write you up. Right. Because that may have been protocol. Oh, exactly. Good for him. Yeah, he that's, was wonderful. But see, that's a good manager, right? It's like knowing who to t- how to titrate like, okay, this person always has complaints. This person never does. There must be right. a reason. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What's the last straw that got you out of your... Because you're still in customer service now. So was there a an incident i mean we you told us about the frisch's job and you you know you've told us a couple ends of a couple jobs but was there i don't know anything you can think of for a last straw that got you out of a job that was like a i mean the frisch's incident was pretty good but anything else that you can think of where you were like and fuck this place i'm burning it down yes so that's when i worked at the cincinnatian (laughs) and i was a sales manager there were two other sales managers no there was one other sales manager at the time and long story short the person who managed the hotel was you know, whatever, crazy, whatever you want to say. And she never fired anybody. She never fired any manager because she never wanted to play, pay unemployment. She would just take you off the schedule or something? No, what she would do is if she had a problem with you, she would say, you know, you're not working out in the Palace restaurant, so we're going to switch you to being a manager in housekeeping. Okay, what person is going to go from working in a four-star restaurant to cleaning toilets? So... There were some people who had filed like EEOC complaints. I don't know what that is. Oh, Equal Opportunity Employment. Oh, okay. Because they quit because of how she treated them. Oh, good for them. Exactly. And some of them named me in their little like lawsuit or whatever. Named you? Why? Because I don't know. Like because that I supported them or something. Oh, I knew what they were going through. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. So then the EEOC had to come and interview me. Jesus. And I go down to be interviewed and who is sitting there but the general manager of the hotel. well, you're not, you can't be honest then if she's going to be seated right there. Yeah. So the EOC person said, okay, Sydney, tell me what you told me in your letter. I said, I can't. I can't. I said, Denise is sitting right there. I said, if I tell you anything, she's going to fire me just like she's done these other women. Good for you. And not firing because, again, she right. never fired Passive anybody. aggressively pushed them out. Exactly. I said, so what do you... I said, I'm not going to say a word. Good for and you. And Denise looked at me and she had the biggest smile on her face. And the EEOC woman said, Denise, you're going to have to leave the room. Wow. And Denise is like, she looked at me and she gave me... I said... I'm oh, done. I know what's about to happen. I'm going to be done. And the woman said, while Denise was in there, if she ever tries to fire you, you just file a complaint. I said, yeah, right. So Denise left and I told them everything I knew about the, you know, the shenanigans that she played. So within a few weeks, there was a memo on my desk that said, Sydney, please contact me as soon as you can because your sales are... This dumb bitch. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is so typical. So I thought, okay, great. And I left work that day and I thought, this is ridiculous. And I thought, I don't need this. So I decided I'm just going to quit. Because the other thing that she would do to you is if you came to work and she wanted to 
do something to you, she'd escort you. Know, she'd have security come and escort you out, and it'd be some oh, big production. Get out the fuck yeah, exactly. out of here! So I went to work the next day. I took everything that I wanted from my office, and then that Friday, I um, I went to work. I actually had outside sales calls that I needed to make, and I was manager on duty that weekend, which meant that I was going to stay that night till eight p.m. Come in the next day, work the whole day on Saturday, work the whole day on Sunday, and then come and work my whole week on Monday. You know, so I basically Oof. worked twelve days in a row. So I'm like, this is the time to do it. Yep, you're about to fuck her hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sure was, <laughs> and we didn't use no condom. Oh, though I get back from my sales calls, and I said, Denise, I need to talk to you. And so I had a smile, and I said, I have a letter for you that I think you're going to be really happy to receive and she said oh it is and I said it's my resignation she said oh okay and I said now did you want to call Bob the security guy and have him escort me out because I've already taken everything from my office that I need and she said wait a minute aren't you giving me two weeks and I'm like no "No, I can't work for you anymore I'm leaving now again do you want him to escort me out and she kind of looked at me and she said you know your MOD this weekend and I said I'm going to be leaving and I walked out of there. I didn't say a word to any of my friends who worked there. It was like, it was the biggest weight lifted off my shoulders because I thought, I'm not going to take your bullshit. Or abuse. Or abuse. And that's exactly what it was. It was yes. an abusive relationship. A hundred percent. Yes. And that's, I'm, I'm surprised that they let her, uh, that the company let her remain in a position where she decided where people worked. If you're getting outside labor companies involved and complaining about her, like not you, but that the right. people are saying, hey, right. this thing is happening and they're right. doing investigations and seeing that it's happening. Right. Well, I think the reason why is because it changed ownership oh. and a very wealthy person from Cincinnati, the probably the wealthiest person at the time, bought the hotel. That's another story. And I think she threatened to sue if she were ever fired because she was a female. Heavy sigh. And uh. she did eventually get fired by somebody else and she was working at a Starbucks and got fired. Shut up. She went from managing a hotel to working in Starbucks. Uh, yeah. Not that no shade to people managing no. Starbucks, but no. like no, I don't even think no. Different. She wasn't even managing the Starbucks. She, she was, was just a barista. A barista. Mm, well, Sorry. karma's a bitch. Yeah. Uh, have you ever told a customer to fuck off? Besides the one at the clinic counter, that you didn't really say fuck off. You were just like you gave them a time and a date. I told a boss to fuck off. Does that count? Tell me about it. Okay, so uh, at the clinic counter, went into work one day, and it was before Christmas. And cosmetics is not like other retail business you know mm-hmm. people aren't going to be there at four o'clock in the morning you know the day after buying a damn lipstick for 20 bucks so i had done the schedule and we were going to we were going to be open till like 11 o'clock that night and everything was separated you know people were spread out through the day to cover people's shifts and i get in the one gal is leaving and she was supposed to be there till seven o'clock and she said oh yeah the store manager he he wanted me to come in earlier because we were going to do most of the business during the day. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy does not know the first thing about cosmetics. So I paged my manager and she gets on the phone and I said, what the fuck are you doing? Do you even know the first thing about fucking cosmetics? Sorry. Jesus. (laughs) Next thing I hear is click. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't fired immediately? No. (laughs) Shock. I mean, you must have been so good at sales. They must have just known that you... Well, but so then... Then I get the um, Sydney Cannon 300, Sydney Cannon 300, which means the other store manager wants. So I call him and he's like, yeah, I think you need to come up to my office. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. He wore a bow tie. Okay. Bless him. That's all I'm going to say. I like bow ties. Okay. Well, so I go up and I am fired up and 
I was a communication major. I know that if I want power in the room, I'm going to stand, stand and have the person sit. Yeah. So he's sitting down and I'm standing up and I'm demanding to have the authority. And he said to me, um, why did you talk to your, your manager? I'm not even going to say her name, give her the satisfaction. Yeah. Why are you, Why did you talk to her that way? I said, because do you even know the first thing about running a cosmetics business? And I said, you are, I, I kind of think I said, you're probably really fucking stupid. And he's like, wait a minute, you can't talk to me that way. He said, I think you're going to need to go home. And I said, okay, you know what? You really don't know about the cosmetics business because if you're going to send me home, on uh, you know, the Saturday before Christmas, it was actually November, but you're insane because then we're not gonna make any money. And I said, You you don't respect my business because you know, you have all these people here when it's not gonna be that busy. And now I'm not gonna be able to take a break. I'm not gonna be able to leave the counter where we could be selling. And it was just so ignorant. So um Wow. Yeah. So you told him, okay, good for you. You yeah. told him what for. Okay. But I will tell you how that job ended. Oh, yeah, do it. Okay. So I took two, I knew I was going to get the job at Curves. Okay. okay. So I was going to leave like retail, which you know how retail is, and go to work a job that was like 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. I mean, hell, the best job ever. And I took a two week vacation because I knew I was going to quit. I wanted my two weeks. So I called up to give my notice. And the human resource director said, yeah, um, so basically, you've taken a week's pay, and then you're think you're going to get your other week, and then you're going to give like three days. So you're only giving a week and three day notice. And I said, yeah. So she's like, I don't think you're going to be able to get that week's extra pay. And I said, yeah, I am because it's what I've earned. So she's like, well, I'm gonna have to check. And so she called me back. And she said, yes, you know, you are right. Of course, you are entitled to that. But since you're not giving us two weeks notice, we're going to invite you not to return to your job. Invite you not to return. And I said, you know what? That is so great. And this is a problem is you're you're so not consistent. And she said, now, also, too, I've got to let you know, you're not going to be rehirable within the the Saks Fifth Avenue company. And I said, oh, really? That's so great because I'm never going to work retail again. So good for you. Welcome to shutty town. Yeah, that's a low key. Fuck you. That's great. How many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you've worked or been on the clock? (laughs) My God, since I've worked or since I've been on the podcast. Did you say since I've been on the podcast? On the clock. Oh, on the clock. Oh, on the clock. Oh, my God. I love this question. Oh, oh my. I mean, do I name do I do I name them or do I just number them? Yes and yes. Okay. well, so. I mean, I urinated. I no, 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 not you. Not you. Not you. Other people. Like, have other people ever barfed on you, peed on you? Have you ever had someone else's bodily fluids on you? (laughs) No, no. I mean, I'm intrusive, but I'm not trying to shame you. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let me. Have you had anyone else's stuff on you ever? Like, at a job. Right. Oh, <laughs> get real like specific. one that I got paid for. Yeah. Okay. Not, not sex work, but like, you know. Okay, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> my gosh. I, I mean, that would have to, I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, that's a no. I mean, that's okay. Usually this is more for bartenders. I guess it's more well, right, common. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I did work with juveniles and I did work at the halfway house. Um, I don't know. Like nobody and, directly like vomited on you or peed. No, on you. I don't think okay. anybody directly vomited. I mean, somebody okay. pooped in the fine dressing room at Parisian one time, but Shut I didn't up. have to clean it up. Yeah. 
Wait, Parisian? Oh, Parisian. It was Parisian. Parisian. Did we talk about that? No, it, that, that was the Saks. That was, I worked at a Parisian, but Saks owned it. Okay. That wasn't Clinique Counter though. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, was Clinique, Clinique Counter. Counter. Okay. Yeah. Someone pooped in the dressing. I've heard so many stories yeah. of that. Who Why do you put, this is what I think. Okay. And it was like the fine dressing room. Yeah. So I guess, you know, somebody's trying on a prom dress and it looks so damn good. They get excited and shit themselves. <laughs> shit Jesus themselves. Christ. Yeah. Was it like in a corner, like they had squatted and pooped? Yes, their, they literally squatted. So, so then maybe gross. they just do it to be gross. I mean, it's partially, I, there's got to be some sort of mental illness attached to that. Because I've heard a lot of people oh, working yes. in retail that have said, oh no, pooping in the dressing room is a thing. There is something psychological. There has to or be. Or urinating or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, I guess if you can't hold it, but then wouldn't you advise someone and, or wouldn't you try to do it on a, on a towel or I don't know, on a, on what you're trying on and just buy what you're trying on just to be like, well, I shit in well, this. Yeah, but you're obviously normal and, yeah. you know, not mentally unstable like these people were. Fair. I did come in very close contact with feces when I was at the Cincinnati and it was another time that I was supposed to be manager on duty and I walked in I knew it was going to be a bad day when at 8 30 in the morning there were droplets of poop going through the lobby so my so so my first I'm thinking okay does somebody have does somebody have a dog here so I go and I get Bob the security guy God love Bob. Bob was Barney Fife. I mean, like if Bob could have carried a gun, he would have been so happy. So he comes out and he sees this poop and he sees like this man, this old man walking who's got on like these um, khakis and he's kind of like shaking his pants like this and sees the poop dropping out of the pants. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) So fucking Okay, let me get you a bucket. Okay, So (laughs) so Bob goes up to this guy, this old man, and he looks at him, I swear to God, he said this. He said, did you do that? Is that yours? I think if Bob would have had a newspaper, he probably would have smacked him on the nose like you do a dog. Oh my God. Like what, do you DNA test that? Yeah, what do you do? And so what did the guy say no? Did he say no? It's not I don't even know what he said at that point. Oh God, so did you have to clean it up? (laughs) Hell no. Who cleaned it up? I wasn't a... I guess Bob might. Oh, maybe Bob Bless called. Bless Bob. Bob. No, Bob didn't clean it up. I'm sure oh. Bob called um, custodial services or whatever. Exactly. God, love. Gross. Okay, <laughs> we're moving on. Do you tip? Hell yeah, I tip. How much? Um, I tip minimum 20%. Sometimes I will like be nice and like, you know, I've tipped like $5 on $10 or something. Okay. But if I'm ever not, and I tip all the time when I get coffee. You do? Oh, all the time. Okay. And if I don't tip, and I think I've tipped now with people that like since Corona and stuff because people are out of work. But if I'm ever not going to tip, I'll never not tip somebody. But like if there's a server and you know that a server is good or bad, you know when it's a server's fault or you know if it's a kitchen's fault. I have before left a crappy tip and wrote a note and said, I'm not a shitty tipper. You're a shitty server. Have you really written that note? Wait, what constitutes a shitty server? You know, like, you know, if she sneezes in your salad. (laughs) Well, that's like, or if if you've asked her a few times for water or like if you ask for iced tea, do you want lemon? No. And then she brings you the iced tea with the lemon. You know, it's like servers who don't listen. Pay attention. Okay. Right. Now, what if she's slammed? What if she has 27 tables and you can see she's the only one in there and she keeps coming back to the table and saying, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, I would give her more. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Absolutely. So you're fair. Yeah. Uh, do you ever, uh, well, no, you already answered that. Ha- um, were you ever stiffed when you worked at Frisch's? Uh, hello yeah first of course I, like the man like the old man who okay. went stiff yeah i've been stiff before. was it consistent there that you oh would be no stiff? you mean stiffed and didn't pay their bill or either way well either way have oh, you yeah. ever had a bill walked out on or just not been tipped i probably had to have a bill walked out on 
And there were many times that I wasn't tipped. And and there was this one guy, like when I worked at the um the bar and he would come in, I think he worked at G and one time I said he didn't have any money he was gonna go and I said, you know, okay, I'll buy you a beer, but you know, you've never tipped me. I said, So I'm gonna do something nice for you, so you better start tipping me. And did he? I think so. Or maybe he just stopped coming. <laughs> Like, I got what I wanted. <laughs> exactly. Oh, people are terrible. Okay. And uh, were you ever fired from a customer service job? I mean, I guess the hotel right. situation, kind of, but you quit before I you could be fired. I have never been fired. In your life, right? I have never been fired. Lucky Just you. like relationships. My first boyfriend broke up with me. I have ended every other relationship because if I think it's coming, I'm beating it to it. I'm going to do it first. Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. get that. Okay. And then who's the worst customer you can think of, 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 or just an example? I mean, you've given us some bad customer examples, but like the worst one you can think of offhand. I'm trying to think if there's a customer who made me cry. Oh, I hate that there are so many of us who have that story of the, yeah, I hate that. But oh, okay. Worst customer? Got it. Got it. Okay. So when I worked at the Cincinnati and I was in charge of the entertainers, and that's one of the main reasons why I got the job, because I worked in New York and I met all these you know, wonderful, fabulous entertainers, blah, blah, blah. Jodie Foster was my favorite, by the way. Aww. She likes coffee with cream and sugar. And she's gorgeous, even without makeup. So anyway, blah, blah, wow. blah. So Lenny Kravitz. Am I allowed to say? Yeah, okay. he was the worst. Oh, mother. Uh, yeah. So anyway, okay. So when entertainers would come and stay at the hotel... I would always send like bowl of fruit and Evian spring water or something like it's a a welcome basket. So did that for Lenny. And so Lenny was checking out, the the, the group was checking out. So the housekeeping staff called me and said, we have a problem. I'm like, what? And there was another entertainer who was going to be checking in because it was a one bedroom suite. So I go up there and Lenny Kravitz had given his Rottweiler a bath in the Roman size. Okay, first of all, we didn't know that he had a Rottweiler there. So he gave his Rottweiler a bath in the Roman size tub. It took her over 30 minutes to get all the hair out. He had dog shit all over the room. Oh, that's so, so, so terrible. And that Evian bottle that I gave him so freely, he made a bong, made it into a bong. And so, of course, you know, so... We couldn't sell that room because we had to strip the carpet and do all the stuff. So I called his tour manager or tour ma- travel agent. Okay. And they always, you know, put down a credit card for incidentals. And we're like, okay, this is what you did. This is what he did. We have to buy a new carpet. We're going to charge you. And that travel agent reamed me a new asshole and said, oh, that carpet was already bad in there and they never paid for the carpet. <gasps> oh, but you had a thing. It's a contractual obligation. They have to pay for that. Oh, they never. Travel agents for bands never sign the contracts. So they can get out of everything? Oh, they got out of everything. Yeah. And then another, and I want to tell another one. Yeah. Okay. So Tom Jones, you remember Tom Jones? Uh, It's not unusual to be. Yeah, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Women used to throw their panties at him. That dude? Oh, yeah, totally. Jesus. Okay. Not my type. Now, okay, if you can if you can picture him, okay, if you can picture Tom Jones or picture him in his younger days or, or Google him right now, look at him while we're talking, he was staying at the hotel. And again, I get a call from housekeeping because Linda Ronstadt is going to be checking in when he's checking out. Okay. And literally the room turnover was going to be very quick. So there's one, one, one bedroom suite. No, we had several one bedroom suites, but we had several, but it just happened to be that you know, it was one, it was probably the summer and there were lots of concerts. Okay. Going got on. it. Got it. Got it. Okay, okay. So I'll get a call. Okay. Sydney, we have a problem. Okay. What they is love it? I said, intro. I think you're going to need to come up to the room. So I go up to the room and there is black dye 
everywhere. So it's on the in hotels. Don't ever sit. Hey, just FYI, don't ever sit on a comforter in a hotel. Always take the comforter off your bed. Oh God, really? Because they never wash the comforters. Okay. They, you know, they might do it a couple of times a year, and even the blankets a lot of time, unless you're staying in a really good hotel. Ooh, gross. Okay. Yeah. If, but if they double sheet them like we did at the Cincinnati, and that's good because then you're not touching it. anyway. So black dye everywhere. Black dye on towels, black dye on the comforter, black dye on the carpeting, black dye on the dust ruffle of the bed. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? How does that Did happen? this motherfucker just dye his shoes? And throw his head all around, dye his hair, dye That's everything? not what he was doing. He was dyeing his skin. I'm sorry? Yeah, he was like coloring his skin. So he looked like he had a tan. So he, what was he using, like shoe polish or what was I the... don't know. Dye skin. I don't know. Holy shit. Yeah, dye skin. Skin dye. I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I know that there's spray tans and stuff, but that would have been before the era right, this of was spray tans. This was like the early 90s. And maybe oh. it was the same thing that he used on his hair. Yeah. So then did that ruin all of that material? Like all the comforter was ruined? The, oh, yeah. yeah. So you had to chuck everything. Did Probably you Did you guys it. charge him? That I don't think we did. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. How, oh, who did these people? I mean, it's like you hear all of these stories of bands destroying Not unusual yeah. to dye my body. Yeah, that's right, so exactly. odd. Okay, well that that's up there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we're go, we're gonna move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. Oh, yeah. What was the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? That's easy, Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. okay. So so back same job, the Cincinnatian. Yeah. And and my mom loved Frank Sinatra. And actually, um, on a side note, sidebar here, Frank Sinatra was my very first concert ever. Aww. twelve years old. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so great. So he was staying at the hotel because he was doing a show for um, one of the major businesses in Cincinnati and stayed at the hotel. And then upon checkout, there was a $100 bill and a thank you note. The thank you note wasn't from him, but a $100 bill. And back then, I mean, $100 back then is probably worth like, you know, 15000 now. No, I think it's, <laughs> I think I, I think I looked it up. It's like three hundred. $20 or something. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. But it was great. And then whenever the entertainers would stay there, you'd always get a resume of what they needed. Okay. So in his room, he needed to have Jack Daniels. I think Bless it's okay him. to talk about this now since yeah. he's dead and he can't he come rest. back to haunt me. No, he can't. Um, he had to have a dedicated phone line in his room because mm-hmm. no cell phone. So he didn't want any of his calls to go through the front desk. If that's not mob ties, I don't know what is. Like yeah. that's a tell. But oh, go ahead. completely. And oh, Cherry Lifesavers. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard those in forever. Okay. So he was wonderful. And then when he was going to uh, do his gig, he was doing four gigs, 45 minutes each. So whatever four times 45 is, Mm -hmm. he was leaving to do the two o'clock show. He was already trashed. Wow. He ran into the the glass doors twice. And then I went to the show that day and he was on stage doing his thing and drinking his Jack and forgetting the lyrics and of New York, New York. I mean, that's sad. That's really I sad. Know. This is the positive section, though. So we're going to keep... But he was nice. He gave you 100 bucks. No, he was wonderful. And Pavarotti was fun, too, because Pavarotti wanted knives and things and, and chickens and he in a refrigerator. He did his own cooking. 
Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I had heard part of why he he has explained that the size that he is is because he eats. He doesn't eat for the whole day to prep his throat or something or his voice. Oh. And then he but he eats everything right before he goes to bed and like makes it a whole. To, I don't know if that's true. And that's part of why his weight is the way it is, because he'll eat it like 6000 calories, you know, not that many, but like right. 2000 calories and then go immediately to sleep. And I was thinking, oh, that's interesting because he's a nighttime performer, but it's something about not wanting anything to interrupt his vocal cords or something. I don't know if that's true. Well, I've heard but that you know, he's him. dead. Yeah. yeah May he rest. Right. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Carly Simon <laughs> hugged me. That was fun. Oh, she did? Yeah, she was wonderful. Oh, okay. and what's the best tip you've ever gotten? Was it that hundred bucks from Sinatra or did you ever get more than that? That was the best. But I think when I worked at my uh, friend's jazz club, this guy ordered three Heinekens and kept giving me a 20 and wouldn't let Hell me yeah. give him any change. Hell yeah. See, that's consistently awesome. Yeah, that I was like really that. sweet. Who's the best customer you've ever interacted with? I would say that my f- like best favorite was, I mean, I had people at Clinique who would continually come back over and over again. So I loved that. But Ringo Starr. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. I mean, I know like I'm like, you know, like I'm like dropping these names like, That's fun. please. It's fun. But yeah, he was so great. He came up to the to the counter and I just happened to be there and he said hi and bye. And he said it with his British accent and he put his key down and the girl at the front desk took his key to keep it. And I immediately went up to the room and started taking shit out of his room. Get out of here. Really? <laughs> yeah, totally. You're like, I want to just anything he had touched. Oh, I took like a used tea bag. I'm thinking Aww. he was from. Yeah. So yeah, it was cute. That's really cute. Okay. And what's the best lesson you've learned from working in customer service? Oh, okay. So the best lesson I've ever learned was, again, I learned it at the Cincinnatian because it was a four-star hotel. And even though the general manager was you know, the way she was, she also taught us to never say no. Never say no to a customer. And I, I think of that all the time because, and it's not, you know, you may not be able to do something. So even at the somewhere somebody wants something that you can't necessarily give them Mm -hmm. you don't say no it's like at the sweetery for example and somebody wants to order so many cookies or they want different shapes or they want some designer cookie that we you know can't possibly do because it would take forever um i'd say this is what we can do oh that's a great answer right and so give an alternative and then because you do want people to be happy and you want to take care of people. And that's, I mean, that's one of my goals in life, whether I'm waiting on you or helping you or you're my friend is I do want people to like me. God, isn't that pathetic? No, that's, I need to go to therapy. Listen, I'm in entertainment. This is my whole, I'm making a career off of that. (laughs) Okay. And what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Put yourself in our position. Mm, I love that. And I mean, just, I, I think of, you know, relate it back to you and, also, too, it's like, know what your customer wants. You know, that's the most important thing about a sale is know what your customer wants. And for for the opposite is nobody is any better than anybody else. And have some compassion for people and treat people the way you want to be treated. That's great. Well, Sydney, I normally ask for socials for my guests, but I absolutely love, I'm honestly jealous of the fact that you don't have any social media handles or accounts, like not even Facebook, which is super impressive. So since people can't get in touch with you directly, you know, you're just like Bill Murray in that way, which you should feel special about that. Then if they, if anybody has any follow-up questions, should they just direct them my way and then I hand them over to you or how do you want to handle that? Yeah, I would say that. And when you said social, I thought I was going to have to give you my freaking social security number. (laughs) 
Oh, you're going to get trapped in one of those scams so easily, oh, Sydney. Never give that out. Not even to me. I'm not trustworthy. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to want to contact me. Stop um, it. Everyone says this. And then there's questions that about oh gosh, I'm sure. Or, you know, I am a widow of six years. I'm 55. I'm not getting any younger. So if there are any single <laughs> men out there or women at this point, holla. I am an equal opportunity employer. Okay, holla. Well, I'm sure people may want to know more about Pink Sinatra. It's so cool that you've actually interacted with him. Like, oh, yeah. Like, no, it is cool. Yeah. Because he's someone that, you know, I mean, anyway, that's cool. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell, send us your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Sydney, thank you so much for being on. This was so lovely. I'm glad I got to know you in this way. How fun. Hey, you are the best. Yes, Can we say you. send her money? She yeah. is amazing. <laughs> I'm paying her to say this. Yes. No, seriously, do a Patreon or something. I need this to. is so much fun. Thanks, Sydney. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And yeah, thanks for being willing to be on. This is great. This is my first in-person interview in three months. Well, no, this all started three months ago. I don't know how long it's been. We were doing the quarantine series. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank Scotty you. Potty made an appearance. Too. That's right. Her little kitty sleeping on her lap. Little covered in fur baby. All right, y'all. Good night. Thank you for listening. I hope I it was okay. You. Oh, it was great. Thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, we're great. turning the fucking air on. Oh yeah, I know. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it right now.